Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. If you can stand with me this morning, we will springboard from our same verse here for our series of Matthew chapter 13 and verse 44. Glad that our ladies made it back home safely uh, from their trip of uh, women's conference, women's esprit conference, and hopefully they've been energized and ministered to and tired. <laughs> it's kind of like a, a, you, you're, you're refreshed and you are absolutely just depleted at the same time. And so that's just the way it is. But we're glad to have them back uh, with us. And, yes, special thank you to all the men uh, that were capable of showing up. I'm going to mention names. I wrote them down. Not just men. I'm glad to have Fred McGee, Josh Johnson, James Malone, Zach McGee, Ethan Wright, Mariah and Trevor McGee. Mike Penrod let us borrow his table saw, and he got a few cuts in on it with us. So (laughs) we want to thank him today for that. Amen to everybody that could come out and help. We appreciate that wholeheartedly and the progress that's being made. Matthew 13, going to read verse number 44. This was our springboard last week. We're going to continue talking about the treasure principle, all right, and some of the sub keys of that. Uh, Verse number 44, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth. And for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth that field. And as we made mention last week, and we're continuing to mention uh, giving, uh, speaking about the subject of giving, uh, again, it's not just giving our monetary things or possessions, but of our time and our skills as well, which goes real well with all the different work days we have had here lately. Amen. And so it's giving of those things as well. Let's pray today that the Lord would help us. Father, I thank you this morning, God, for your presence. I'm thankful, Lord, for each and every song that has been sung, Lord, here today. God, I pray, Lord, our worship and praise and adoration to the King of glory. I pray, God, touch our minds this morning. Let your word, God, find a place, O Lord, in our hearts, God, that it would grow and prosper there, Lord, and help prosper our lives forward. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen, amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. We finished up last week talking about how there is a joy to giving. There's a joy to giving of our time and our talent and our treasure. We talked about how there just don't know of anybody, you know, that ever helped someone and walked away, you know, it was like, boy, that just felt rotten, you know, helping somebody out or uh, giving of your time or your talent or your ability. A few verses of scripture I want to hit just again to refresh our minds where we left off, because whenever we give unto the Lord, whatever we give to him is something that is already his anyway. Whatever we give is something that belongs to him. What, what I call mine is really his, right? Uh, I know that your name might be on the deed or the title, all right? Uh, but really, there's another deed and title <laughs> that shows that he owns it all. Psalms 24 and verse 1, just a few verses. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world 
and they that dwell therein. Again, Haggai 2 and verse number 8. The silver is mine, he says, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. All those things that people have discovered and dug out, he put there. Deuteronomy 8, 18. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that hath giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear unto the father to, unto thy fathers as it is this day he hath given us power to get wealth thank the lord you arise in the morning you say thank you god for mobility for health and strength today and you go off uh, at three o'clock or at whatever time we have diff different people going to work at different times brother malone i think it's three at three or three thirty he gets up in the morning uh, each day and so go and start the work day uh, whenever he does that he's doing that because the lord has given him health and strength he's not laying in the hospital to gain wealth or to gain have employment money take care of his bills all those things thank you god thank you god I did not achieve this or secure this by my own hand. Brother McGee, I'm a talented person. I, I went to school for six years to get a degree. Thank God that he gave you the capacity to reason and to maintain and to uh, increase your intelligence. That grave matter that's in your head. Thank God. Thank God that he has helped us do that. And so I, with this, one of the keys of a treasure principle is that God owns everything and that I'm his money manager his time manager his skill talent manager i'm his manager uh, the bible says in corinthians i don't have the verse up there but it says that one thing is to be said of stewards and that is that they should be faithful so there's one thing required is actually the word it uses one thing is required of stewards and that is that they would be faithful and so god has entrusted to us time and talent and treasure he's entrusted to us these things he has entrusted to us his assets he's not so much so given to them to us as much as he has entrusted us with them and there are three major responsibilities of a steward or three major responsibilities of a manager and that is this number one they manage the assets for the owner's benefit what they are a manager over, what they oversee, they do that not for their benefit, but for the owner's benefit, whoever that absolutely belongs to. Number two, they carry no sense of entitlement to the assets they manage. All right? Uh, if you're a manager over a hotel, you don't feel entitled that you should have three rooms a week that's free of charge to you. You're not entitled to the assets you manage. You, you just manage them. Number three, they find out what the owner wants done with his assets. And then they carry out the owner's will of what the owner wants done with his assets. So God, the question that we need to ask ourselves, God, what do you want to do with this money? What do you want to do with this time that's been given to us? Right? Because our, our days are numbered numbered upon this earth we need to number our days because they're numbered upon this earth what do you want me to do with the skills that you give me each of us has certain skills talents or abilities that god has given us or that we have built upon what do you want me to do with this you know more than just uh make a living in this life what do you want me to do with this and i know this example here is quite drastic but once a distraught man 
uh, rode his horse up to John Wesley, who was a minister of many, many, many years ago, shouting, Mr. Wesley, something terrible happened. Your house burned to the ground. And I understand we'd all be devastated. It's probably one of our largest possessions in our life. Uh, our houses but Mr. Wesley he weighed the news and then he calmly replied he said no he said the Lord's house burned to the ground he said that just means one less responsibility for me I know that's pretty drastic he had to really be in such a place to be able to say in something like that but in essence that is the truth of the matter it's the Lord's house it's the Lord's car it's the Lord's boat it's yeah it all belongs to the Lord 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Every man, it says, every man, each man, giving is individual. Giving is individual. Happens on an individual basis. Uh, just because... Uh, collectively as a church and from uh, the, the revenue of the church that people or that as a church we give like to missionaries in foreign fields that doesn't just then mark my box say well the church does it so I'm good right I, I personally give to the missionaries on foreign works I, I uh, you know when I talk about personally I give of course to the church regularly but and they use money of that to go to missionaries but then personally there's money from me that goes to missionaries just from me because giving is on a individual level it's on an individual level as he purposed it as he purposed it we understand that free will offerings and offerings of that matter is according uh you know to our our feeling and decision and that uh the lord and we we'll get into this later the lord has asked of us from old testament even moving forward into new testament uh you know our tithe so on and so forth but it still comes down to this that giving is a personal choice i say that in this that although the lord asked it of it people still choose to whether to do it or not that's the truth of the matter. And so it is a, it is a personal choice. It is a personal choice. And if, if we are falling in alignment with the Lord and love with the Lord and believe he is everything that we say that he is, then we'll do that which is acceptable and des what is desirous and what he wants. We'll follow suit with that and choose that. All right. And it says, as he purposeth in his heart, giving, and please note this, this is vitally important. Through the scriptures, this is vitally important. Giving is a heart issue. Giving is a heart issue. Now, this verse of scripture speaking that we need to give not, not grudgingly, not out of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver. This does not mean that we should only give when we're fear, feeling cheerful. If you're just going to give over how, how you felt all the time, there'd be people depressed. I just don't feel like giving today. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need to give to get cheerful. What did the man say in our little parable of such of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God? He said, for joy, he sowed everything and purchased the field that the treasure was in. He did that because he knew that the, the, the kickback of it all, there was going to become a feeling of joy because of his giving aspect. And so the joy of giving often happens while we are giving. And after we have given, there is that sense of joy and contentment. Second Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 1. 
And please look at these verses of Scripture. They'll be before you on the screen. Moreover, brethren, Paul's speaking to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God. We want you to be knowledgeable concerning the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, Paul says, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Now you got to notice this. The saints of Macedonia has consulted with Paul. They spoke with Paul. And these saints of Macedonia, here's what I want you to mark, that they are in a great trial of affliction. They are in deep poverty. But they were excited about giving. They are in deep poverty themselves. They are, they are in a great trial of affliction, but they are excited about giving. They wanted to give despite their trial. They wanted to give despite their poverty. As a matter of fact, the historical background for this text to kind of just include us about where the Macedonians are here, the Romans had come in. They had taken all of the Macedonian silver and gold mines. They had come in and they had taxed the Macedonians' copper and their iron smelting. They had taxed it heavily. They had come in and they had canceled the Macedonians' rights to cut any trees, which was very important for their living status of that day, to cut any trees for making ships or for even building their homes. And they were involved in, there was a bunch of fighting of wars that had taken place on Macedonian soil. So that is the context of the Macedonians. Their great trial of affliction, taxes are going up, uh, the, the, all the silver and gold mines are being taken away. They can't use the trees to build houses. And there's a lot of war that's been upon their ground. And they're saying, Paul, sign me up. I want to give. Amen. Sign me up. I want to give. It seems as though that all these things, circumstances, right? These type of circumstances just wouldn't seem to be the right environment to want to give in. Right to persuade them not to give because they're unfavorable, but they desired of Paul, hey, receive our gift. Receive our gift and our giving. We want, we want to contribute. We want to participate. No, we want to participate regardless of what's happening around us right now. Because giving, listen, is not a luxury for the rich. It's a privilege of all of us, even the poor. In 2 Corinthians 8, there's such a contrast uh, to sometimes in our day because these people were begging to give though they were deeply affected monetarily by what was going on in their environment at that moment, but they still wanted to offer it nonetheless. They weren't looking for a reason not to give. They were looking for reasons to give. Exodus chapter number 36 and verse 5, the Bible says, And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work. 
which the Lord commanded them. This is during the time of the, the building and construction of the tabernacle. And they had asked all who could to willingly offer and give for such things that were necessary for building, for equipping, for maintaining the tabernacle. He said the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded to make. Verse 6, and Moses gave commandment. This is the only time you'll see this in scripture. They caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp saying, let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for the stuff they had was sufficient for all the work to make it and too much. So the people seen the need, they fulfilled the need in surplus of the need so much so they said, you don't, you can, don't have to bring any more. You never, ever see that happen again in Scripture where they say don't bring any more. Matter of fact, you can skip forward into uh, the book of Samuel and Kings whenever um, the, the Solomon was uh, dedicating the temple of Solomon and they brought sacrifice, you remember? And there was so much sacrifice, it was more than what the altar could handle. And his statement was this, the problem isn't that you brought too much, the problem is we just have so small an altar. And so he hallowed a ground, a space of ground for the sacrifices that was brought. Notice, I think what it is, they learned, they learned from what they had done before. Before they said, don't bring anymore. I think they learned from it. Because now he's not saying don't bring anymore. He's saying we'll just make more space for what you bring. He didn't say you're bringing too much. He said we just have too little a spot for it. We'll just make a bigger area that can accommodate this. But nonetheless, in Exodus, the mindset is this, that the people were so excited about giving toward what was needed, toward the work of the sanctuary that they actually gave, according to Moses' estimation, uh, so much so that they restrained the people from bringing anymore because they already had what they needed plus some. Amen. And so the need was made known. This is how it was approached in Scripture. The need was made known to the people and a spirit of giving. So we say that. There are some times that things happen in a service or a conference or different places I've been. A spirit of giving happens. And people just start, they just start giving. Checks are written. Money's laid on, on platforms and so on and so forth. And they just gave and gave and gave. And they gave with joy and they gave cheerfully. All right. And it just overtook. It overtook the people. It overtook what was happening. And they didn't have room enough to facilitate everything that was happening from the liberal giving of the people. And again, I've seen this several times in my years here upon this earth. There are people with just such a heart to give sometimes. A heart to give to church. A heart to give to others and others around them that that, that according to most you just almost have to restrain them and they, just as a side note this is what I say concerning this because there are people that have some of more of a natural bend to be a giver and there's people that has more of a natural bend to be a taker and if you ever find a marriage and I'm not talking about a literal marriage but if you ever find a, a, a coupling up of a giver and a taker, the taker will deplete the giver. I've seen it. They take advantage of them because they're always going to hand out, always. And the other one's always going to take. So in that regard, yeah, you need to be careful. Don't set yourself up next to someone who all they are is a consumer and they never invest in something.
I'm just pausing for effect. <laughs> because the giver, you know what happens for the giver? They'll be ignorant of it due to their liberal heart that just likes to give. I've seen it happen. First Chronicles 29 and verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee. Know what, know what he's saying, David is saying. He says, for all things come of thee, speaking of the Lord, and of thine own have we given thee. That last phrase is so important there. For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. I know that's old, old English King James here. Let's say, for all things come from thee, and your own have we given thee. In other words, David is overwhelmed that he and his people have been able to give. He said, who am I? Who am I people that we could offer so willingly that we could give like this? Who am I or are my people that we could give like this unto the Lord? But in essence, he says, wait a moment. Let's look at this. How could we give to the Lord? Because what we're giving to the Lord is something that God has given to us. He's empowered us to return unto him. He's empowered us to give unto him. And so they had given to God, again, what was his to begin with. I stated last week, I believe it was in Psalms, and we're in the 50s. The Lord said, would I tell thee if I was hungry? Would I tell thee? He said, all, all, the, all the bulls of the field are mine. All the animals are mine. Any sacrifice you could bring me? He said, it actually belongs to me. You're giving me back what's mine. He said, all, it all belongs to me. Let me ask you this. How would you feel? Just take this little scenario for a moment. How would you like it if, if you asked someone to hold a $100 bill for you? All right, Brother Malone, go give you a $100 bill. I want you to hold that for me. And then a few moments later, that same person approached you and said, hey, I want to give you this $100 bill. So I've, I've given him a $100 bill. I'm entrusting to it. I said, I want you to hold on to it. Then he comes back to me later and says, hey, Brother McGee, I want you to have this $100 bill. And he's given it to me as though it was his to begin with. With pride. And he tells other people around him, I gave him $100. When I entrusted him with that $100 to begin with. Oh, God. Jesus because there have been many times I, I over the years folks through my father's pastor myself that very type of thing has happened giving isn't to be a prideful thing people puff out the church I gave X number of dollars to the church now that's the only time they gave the whole year I gave well who Where'd that come from to begin with? Well, I worked for that money. Really? How were you able to work for that money? Well, I went to college. How did you have that knowledge? How did you have that health? You need to back up that thing all the way back. If we, can I be pastor today just for a little bit? We've got to be careful about this fact. Well, I gave X and X dollars on such and such date, and that's the over, only time you give. It could be $10,000, but people that just give consistently every week, let me tell you, they exceed that. And it's not about exceeding one another or in competition with one another, but it's about just being regular. 
one thing is required of a steward, that he is found faithful. Found faithful. By the way, I'm not giving you $100. Unless you need it, I, you know, we'll, you can talk to me after church. Numbers chapter 18 and verse 24. But the tithes of the children of Israel, which they offer as a heave offering note unto the Lord, he says, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Therefore, I have said unto them, among the children of Israel, they shall have no inheritance. The Levites were a group of priests. They didn't have no portion. There was no land that was allocated to them. None. There were, there were certain cities out of each tribe that were given to them. 48 cities, if I, my memory serves me correctly, uh, that were given to them. And uh, he says, whenever you bring your tithe and such, you do that unto the Lord. That's important. When we give up here, we're not given to First Apostolic Church. We're not given to Pastor McGee. We're given unto the Lord. Even though that money is perhaps someone's going to be allocated for missionaries. We're given unto the Lord. That's got to be the mind frame. And he says, as they give to the Lord, he says, I have given to the Levites to inherit. Notice all those things that come in. Amen. There's certain portions of that that take care of the light staying on around here. There's certain portions of that that underwrite money for doing the work like we're doing in the back. There's certain portions of that that, yes, are for missionaries, for people that are starting churches in other cities and towns. There's portions of that for, that's for women's esprit and for men's ministries. There's certain portions of that, yes, that are for salaries that are around this church. Yes, there's certain for that for revival services. That whenever a guest minister comes and preaches and you're so blessed and thank God for it, it does come back to you. It, there's been some revival services some of you have left with your life completely changed. Well, that's a result because people regularly gave. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? Listen. A church has electricity, sewage, trash, mortgage. If you can think of a bill you have in your life, the church probably has it too. But it's a bigger building. Amen. Matthew 6 and verse number 19. Look, lay not up. We looked at this verse last week, but see it again. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, and it does. And where thieves break through and steal. Yeah. Ref Fred, you ever had anybody in your body shop there that had rusted out vehicles? Surely not. Good gravy. That's something we invest a lot of money into, a vehicle. They rust away eventually. These break through and still, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your, everybody say treasure, there will your, everybody say heart, heart be also. So the overall concept of the treasure principles, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead of you. All right. And the number one key was God owns everything and I'm his money manager. And so we ask ourselves, again, who owns your house? Who owns your bank account? Who owns your skills, your body? King Tut left all his earthly possessions. He's one of those things that they had discovered years by the, the tomb of King Tut. And the Egyptians believed in an afterlife, one in which they could take their earthly treasures with them. So King Tut, at the age of 17, he was buried with solid gold chariots, thousands of golden artifacts, 
He was buried inside of a golden coffin that was inside of a golden tomb. His burial site was filled with tons of gold. All the treasure stayed right where it was. Right where it was. Left untouched for more than 3,000 years until somebody discovered King Tut's tomb. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Giving isn't necessarily, listen, giving isn't necessarily about the here and now. It is about the there and then. It's about laying treasures, investing in something beyond the temporal, but investing in something eternal. Matthew 19 and verse 21, the Bible says, Jesus said unto him, if thou wilt be perfect, this is the man that was sorrowful for the, the possessions he had, go and sell that that thou hast and give to the poor and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. Look, when we're generous in giving, God rewards us. God rewards us. God does. There's not a better re reward program on earth than the one that God has. Amen. God's reward program, if I can say figuratively and literally, is out of this world. <laughs> it surpasses them all. And you've heard me say all times that God keeps good records. He does. He does. And among the records that he keeps is what we do with our talents and our treasure and our time. Amen. God told the Philippians that they were the only ones that talked to Paul, that they were the only ones that talked to Paul about giving and receiving whenever he left Macedonia. And even when he was at Thessalonica, and the book of Thessalonians records this, even when they was at Thessalonica, they had gave toward his need. And this is what Paul states, though, in Philippians. Philippians 4 and verse 17. He says, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound, look at this, to your account. He says, I'm not, I'm not talking about giving or addressing the concept of giving for the sake that I desire a gift. He says, but I want some fruit, I want some tally marks to be made to your account. To your account. He said, the things we offer as a gift in our giving is really fruit. And that fruit is tallied or attributed to our account. So what we give away here in the name of the Lord or as unto the Lord is received up there to our account. Amen. What we give here into the Lord is received up there into our account. Can I tell you, we're making deposits. We're making deposits before we ever get there. You can send it on ahead of yourself. You can send it on ahead of you. Every day brings us a day closer to death. I don't want to hear that, Brother McGee. Well, the, the fact of the matter, it's true. Somebody's dying right now that expected to live 30 more years. Amen. And if our treasures are on earth, if our treasures are on earth, yet every day we're brought closer to departing from this life, then we're closer today to losing to what, what we invested in if our treasures are only on earth. Amen. Jesus said again in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Number two key of the treasure principle is this. My heart will always go where I put God's money. My heart will always go where I put God's money. We used to say years ago, if, if someone would hand me their checkbook right now, and you'd allow me to go through there. I don't even have to look at the amounts. You allow me to go through there. We could probably find where your heart's at. Today, it probably won't be checkbook. It might be credit card statement for some. 
Amazon, 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 Amazon. Huh? And maybe if we looked at the amounts, maybe we could really see maybe where the heart was. Right? Receipts, good indicators of where our heart is. If we, if we had a receipt for every cash transaction, we might be able to see where our heart was. Because we put our money, we put our money, our money shows where, where our heart is. We put our money where our heart is. We put our money where our interest is. Right? If you have somebody, if you have somebody that's, for instance, not interested in woodworking, you're not going to find tools that they purchased along the lines of that hobby because that's not their, that's not their heart's desire. That's not what's interesting to them. Right? If you go through our checkbook, you're going to find summer and fall, there's going to be two checks that's written to the Women's League softball here in Mount Carmel because my wife likes to play softball. You're going to know that from looking at our checkbook. You won't see that in somebody else's because that doesn't interest them. They're not invested in that. Amen. And so the heart is a good indicator. It's a good indicator. But notice... Not only does our money reveal where our heart is, here's, this is important. We can use our money to determine where our heart goes. Huh? We talked about it last week. Talked about somebody scratching another person's vehicle. It's when it's yours because you invested money in it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Money leads, your heart follows. Money leads... Your heart follows. Randy Alcorn wrote this. He said, I've heard people say, I want more of a heart for missions. Always responded, Jesus tells you exactly how to get it. Put your money in missions and in your church and in the poor. He says, your heart will follow because you're invested in it. Don't wait to take action until your heart is in it. Take action to get your heart in it. Take action to get your heart in it. Don't let your giving follow your heart. Let your heart follow your giving. Amen. Your heart's not where you wish it to be. Your heart's not where you'd hope it to be. Your heart, well, Brother McGee, I have good intentions. I'm making plans. This is, if you're having a problem with that, start putting some of your talent, your time, and your treasure toward that, and you'll find your heart follow because you're invested. People that it's not invested in the stock market, don't sit down every day and watch the rise and the fall of the stock market. Why? They don't have anything invested. It doesn't matter to them. But I guarantee you they would be paying more attention if they put about $5,000 out there in it. They're going to watch it. They're going to see when it's doing good and when it's not doing good. Amen. Amen. So it's what you invest in. You know, some people don't, don't even uh, really the real care or the load of the burden of the vitality of a church sometimes doesn't matter because they're not invested. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they're in a slump. That's all right. No big deal. No, I'm not invested. So we got to ask ourselves the question: what what keeps us What keeps us from giving? Am I afraid of giving? Do I trust? Do I, do I not trust that God will meet my needs if I do give? You know what's amazing to me? We entrust God with the eternity of our soul. But we can't trust him with the temporariness of our money. 
Death is a loss to people who only place treasure upon earth because it separates them from the things they invested. Some people fight death. I've seen a few people die. Some people fight death. Why? They're being separated from everything they truly love and is invested in. And I'm not against our relationships we have between each other and all that. But I've seen some other gray-headed saints. Hands are lifted. Glories be given to God. Why? They're being reunited with what they've sent ahead. If we lay up treasures, heavenly treasures, as the apostle Paul said we can, then it's like he said. He said, for me to live is Christ. He said, but for me to die? He said, it's gain. Because the focus of his living wasn't house and home and boat and so on and so forth. The focus of his living was Christ. And so the passage from this life was just gaining what he'd been living for. Gain is the, heavy tre- the heavenly treasure, amen, that, that we obtain from the practice that we've had going on down here below. Luke chapter number 12, let's hit some other scripture here today. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? Now, to apply this to your modern day, because they paid with first fruits and they, their money exchange was their firstborn. That was their means of exchange. That was their money. So to put it in your mind, you got to think about just having so much money, you just don't have enough banks to put it in. <laughs> you just don't have enough. You just don't have enough drawers in your house and, you know, jars, mason jars to put it in the backyard. You know, you need greater lot for all this. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul. He thought he had years, but his day was about ready to change overnight. This night thou fool. Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall all shall these things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So he said, I got all this, I got all this stuff. What am I going to do? I guess I'm just going to have to accumulate it for myself for many years. You know, many years, he said. You're going to be gone tonight. Who's going to have all your stuff then? You can't have it. Somebody else going to have it. One of the biggest illusions for us as people upon this earth, one of the biggest illusions and roadblocks to giving is that earth is our home. We're pilgrims and strangers. We are passing through. Third key of a treasure principle is this. Heaven, not earth, is our home. Heaven, not earth. The Bible describes us in several different ways. Some of the ways it describes us is as this. Again, and you can read this in Hebrews and other places, that we are pilgrims. It describes us as strangers here below. It describes us as ambassadors. Paul even spoke of himself as being an ambassador. An ambassador is not a citizen of the country that they reside in. 
You hear me? An ambassador is not a citizen of the country they reside in. Matter of fact, many times they are there representing a different country. They, they, they are not, they, they, they hold not to the culture, the language. They're holding to the culture and language of the country they're from. We could go a lot of places there, but it's not time for that today. So where we put our treasure larger depends upon where we believe home is. Where we believe home is. As a kid, I remember it. Uh, we at times, and this is back, you know, you're less and less of these land. Back in the, you know, earlier years, you had land fields, right? That actual people and residences could go to and dump their garbage and big stuff, small stuff. And I remember as a kid, we would go to the land field outside of Princeton, and it was like, it was like a little boy's joy. I know that sounds like just totally weird, right? To go out where a bunch of trash is in a hole in the ground, but I was like, this was cool go out into the landfill and there were times we'd go out there and there's only certain days that they were to open and we'd go out there with our junk and my mind just thought the landfill was an amazing place please know i do not sit at the house and stare at our trash can okay but i thought the landfill was just an amazing place because you could go out there for number one is one of the biggest hoes i'd ever seen in my life all right one of the biggest hoes i ever seen in my life number two i mean it was just filled with all kinds of stuff I mean, there, there were cars out there. There were past birthday and Christmas presents out there. There were boats out there, TVs out there, clothes, stereos, grills. Some of this stuff looked good. You know, they say one man's trash and another man's treasure. Some of this stuff looked, I'm telling you, right down good. But perhaps the one, one man's trash and another man's treasure is better said like this. One man's trash today was his treasure yesterday. So fleeting, so temporal. Landfill, though, was a trash heap. Man, it was a treasure for a little guy about me. But when I looked out there, looking back now as an adult, all those different things my eyes saw, I saw where perhaps friendships were lost over an item. Honesty was sacrificed for something else. Marriages broke up over. What is all that stuff worth? What is all that stuff worth? The question we must ask ourselves, and I'll hasten to a close this morning if you'll stand with me and we'll continue next week. The question we got to ask ourselves, am I attached more to things in this world than I am the God of this world? Am I more attached to the things of this world than the God of this world? We don't, we don't keep ledgers of our time. Might be good to do. Might be a good little homework assignment. Just take a week. Get you out an old spreadsheet or do it on Excel or something. And just keep a real general ledger about where your time goes each day. And at the end of the week, look back. And I know you got to work. I understand that. But the time that you have choice over to do with. What do you do with that time? Or your talent or your skill? What do you do with that? And of course, your treasure. What do you do with that? And so, again, heaven, not earth, is our home. And our heart will always go where we put the Lord's money. And the reason why we say that is because we're just managers of his assets.
And firstly, God owns everything. I'm just his money manager. Oh, you want that done with your money, God? Okay. Oh, you're saying, Brother McGee, you never questioned? Oh, I have. Let me tell you. There were times when we evangelized and there was just a dollar in our account. And somehow we were just given money. It's like, oh, this is going to help. And God says, I want you to take what was just given to you and give it toward this. Are you sure about this, God? See my checkbook, one dollar. I'm serious. I could get out the old, I could get out the old calendar where I wrote down one dollar in our account today. We gave it. Oh, God already took care of us. Never seen a bill late. Never on that. How? Because I just gave it unto the Lord. I just gave him what was his. And he does it. Sister, Sister Trout just told me last week after Sunday morning about something God had done for her concerning matters just along these lines. Somebody might call that's luck, that's coincidence. I don't call it that. I draw that a direct line to being faithful as a steward. Faithful. It's a, it's a biblical principle. Therefore, it's an eternal principle. It's an eternal principle. Let's pray today that the Lord would seal these things in our hearts and our lives. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm thankful, Lord, for your word. God, I want to be a good steward, Lord, of your time. I want to be a good steward, Lord, God, of your talents and skills that you have, Lord, distributed, Lord, to all of us, Lord, differently and individually. I want to be a good steward, Father, Lord, over the financial gain, God, that we're able, Lord, to uh, uh, increase and acquire, Lord, in our lives. I want to be a good steward, Father, of all of those. God, help me, Lord, to invest in things that are eternal. God, I know I have to invest, Lord, in some temporal things just to live here below on this earth, but let me, God, not to become heavy-sided or imbalanced or forget, Lord, the eternal altogether. I pray, Jesus, today, God, touch our hearts and minds. Help us to mold these things over in our spirit, God, and you're able to help us with it. God, by the power of your spirit, Lord, help us to invest in things that are beyond this world. In the name of Jesus Christ that I pray and the church say amen. Amen. God bless you this morning to our guests that were with us today. Thank you for being here. We appreciate you being here. You can come. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.